What is your killer strategy? The one that gives your business the ultimate bulletproof competitive advantage. Welcome to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. Former professional blackjack player and card counter who left Las Vegas and spent his life in that giant casino on Wall Street in the hedge fund and venture capital businesses. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Seems like all of us are worried about this nightmare situation where we have to protect our image and our brand and our company uh, from the many crises that are happening in the world and all the people that uh, that get sucked into those kind of deals. And we are worried about getting taken down. How do we stay out of the fray? How do we know which trends to pay attention to and what other issues we need to know in order to stay clean and healthy? To answer those questions, Matt Palmquist. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, th- thank- thanks for having me, Joel. Uh, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure. Well, Been good. Well, listen, for a while. We're, and we're happy to have you. So uh, do you... Uh, I know you work with a lot of athletes. Is that your primary business, keeping athletes and individual people, or do you mostly work with uh, entities too? We work with the entities as well. So we, we've worked with athletes in the past, and I'll dive into a little bit about what I'm doing now. But yes, so we, we mainly work with uh, medium-sized or mid-sized companies and entities now. Let, let's talk about what's the biggest difference between uh, your representation marketing, PR, and the other kind of stuff that you do for individuals like athletes and companies. Just help us understand what the difference between those two things is. Because it seems to me like there's a lot of overlap. There is there is a tremendous overlap. Um, the one advantage to working with athletes is kind of the built-in platform that they've already had with social media, you know, and followers, engagement, and so forth, um, fans. Um when you're dealing with entities, especially like midsize or smart, uh, excuse me, or startups, um, it is more of how do we gain that momentum and that traction to, to, to get that following. But marketing is marketing. It's, it's creating a message, implementing the message and following through on it, um, until you get the desired results. So there is a tremendous overlap. I have to imagine that for a lot of these athletes that have uh, these built-in followings. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to kind of curve the trajectory, though, of their rocket. <laughs> that uh, yeah. they may be going in a direction that is not necessarily good for them. And you, as kind of their uh, their brand visionary, need to kind of think about them kind of moving in a little different direction. How do you how do you uh, you know change the trajectory when when they're when they've already got one going? It's very carefully, uh, especially when you're dealing with athletes. You know, it usually comes on. It comes with the territory of people that are kind of in the inner circle. And that might sometimes be um, the factor where the trajectory is shifting. Right. So you have to do it with, with precision, accuracy, and delicacy. I mean, that's, let's, let's be honest. Right. And so, um, but you have to identify it first and you have to really communicate to the athlete or the midsize, you know, entity, what are you trying to portray? What are you? What is the message that you were trying to put out there? And then from there, you execute the game plan. You know, I want to. I want to talk about something similar related to corporate executives. Although I want to just ask another question about this uh, this whole athlete thing. Um, 
I imagine that the uh, the athletes, uh, the, the a very difficult part about dealing with athletes, because I've had a lot of them as investors and other people, mm-hmm. uh, has to be their entourage and the people that are kind of on the inside that may not have the same agenda that the athlete has. How do you manage that entourage and 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 really kind of figure out exactly what the right way is to deal with the athlete? Um, that's, I mean, that's a million dollar question, or that's a, actually a billion dollar question. Um, you have to do it very carefully. Um, because you never, like I said previously, you don't know who that, that negative influence could be in their relationship to the said athlete, right? It could be a, an uncle or, a, you know, a friend they grew up with or a mom or, or whoever I, I'm, you know, there's, there's proof for all cases, right? But you have to do it very carefully. You have to, to communicate. You have to be transparent. You have to say, hey, this could affect your bottom line if it continues. And you have to do it with, with confidence, knowing that you're doing what's best for the athlete themselves, not for your bottom line. Because you could end up, parting ways with said athlete just because you know the relationship with you know their entourage or their inner circle is a little bit a um, little bit stronger than your relationship you know well, let's, so let's pull it back now to uh to corporate so we'll talk about the corporate entity and we'll talk about the corporate executives great you work with executives beside the corporation like or it, just like with the athletes where there's a person involved do you tend to See that happen? We have, we have. So, you know, it's a, it's a case by case kind of scenario, right? We've worked with um, entities where they just want to push the message for the brand or the, the company themselves. And then we worked for the companies where we're trying to push the message for the brand, but also create an identity and a, a profile for the the ceo or the coo or whoever you know whatever executive in the c-suite that that they're talking about we've done both um and again it's it's taking the the goals of the parties whether it be the entity or the the executive and saying okay where do you want to achieve and this is how you know and kind of work backwards from there and, and moving forward and executing that game plan you know, it seems to me like um, like there's been a trend over the last uh, 30 years, starting with Lee Iacocca, probably, yeah. uh, where the, the the CEO became the face of the brand. Mm-hmm. And how does that play into, uh, you know, conventional marketing wisdom? I, I mean, I guess if the CEO stays on for a long time, it's, it's great. But but CEOs move around like athletes move around. Yeah, well, it, it's great because it can enhance the brand, but it also at the same time, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it can also diminish the brand too. So if you look at you look at someone like, um, let's take a case in point, um, uh, you know, Meta or Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg, his profile obviously has risen, um, you know, in the last past couple of years, whether you love him or hate him, it's good for Meta. In the, in the long run. Now you take somebody like a, a brand entity where like a, a, a Kanye West, where his profile, although he is, you know, who he is, his profile has taken a hit. So it's diminished the brand and thus 
the relationships and partnerships and collaborations that he's done with other companies, they say, Hey, you know, you've got to go, or we've got to part ways. So it can be, it can be a blessing and a curse. It just depends on how you navigate, you know, during that time period or that frame that which trajectory you're going to go. Yeah. You know? Hey, let's, let's talk about cancel culture because, okay. You know, I mean, that's kind of it kind of makes me think about what you're talking about. You know, I mean, it's uh, I mean, Kanye got canceled because he said things that were uh, improper and hurtful. And yes, and, and he became damaged goods and everybody ran away from him. Uh, that's happening to a lot of other people, maybe for doing less egregious things than what he did. But, you know, that's part of the whole crisis thing that, that we are kind of kind of hinting at before is that, you know, the companies get themselves in all kinds of trouble and one one uh, out of place sentence can cause all kinds of trouble. Do you see the whole cancel thing uh, getting worse, or is it kind of starting to to clear up a little bit? Um, it's very it's very delicate. You know, someone someone says in the business like the you know any press is good press, right? Whether it be negative or positive, but um, it really depends on who you are as a person and how you know how connected you are with self um you know what you know mr mr kanye west has said in the past yes it's it's deemed hurtful for a a group of people and you know but at the same time although that's diminished his bottom line it also you could look at it as okay he's staying relevant and he's still in the press right so it it really depends on what is his ultimate goal? Like, is it to stay relevant and continue to push that 15 minutes of fame, so to speak? Or is it to really, you know, put out his ideas and his views and regardless of what anybody says, he's staying true to self. And if I go down with the ship, then I'm going to go down with the ship because I believe in what I've said. So, you know, it, it's a it's a delicate it's a delicate situation. Um, it's not a position that I necessarily would like to be in, um, but I do feel that you know it's the cancel culture, like you were saying, sometimes is overlooked for some, and 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 basically magnified for others, and it's unfortunate. You know, I, I wonder, uh, you know, how many people have the uh, extending their 15 minutes of fame, you know, kind of concept, because thought leadership is uh, is a valuable thing, whether people like your thoughts or they don't like your thoughts. Thought leadership yeah. is, is a good thing uh, frequently. But ultimately, it seems to me that the goal is is to convert that thought leadership into money somehow, you know, and, mm-hmm. and turn it into a business. And it seems like when a guy like him, uh, you know, damages the the revenue stream, then his thought leadership is not working for him. So I, how does how does somebody reconcile those those things? Well, you've got to get a, a you got to get a great crisis management team like six ten marketing and public relations, right? But <laughs> but um, the, so is that do you guys do crisis management too? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We so, we've, so we've, what? So like with a guy like him, what are the steps? So he he blurts something out that is egregious, uh, gets all sorts of people upset. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and then the, the pins start falling and the cancellations start coming, uh, you know, and, and, and he's just one example. I mean, we come up with many examples. Oh, yeah, and there's plenty. This yeah. week we got the Dilbert thing, 
you know, mm-hmm. Dilbert got canceled, you know, because they, uh, I forget, forget exactly what uh, the, the guy said, but he said something that some people didn't like. I mean, I sort of thought it was starting to, you know, kind of level out a little bit, but apparently not. What's mm-hmm. the first thing that happens when, when a client calls and says, hey, we got this problem. What's the first thing you do? Uh, assess all the details and gather as much information, whether it be good or bad, as soon as possible. Like how fast, to- how fast, do you, you know, is that something that takes an hour, a day, a week? I mean, how long do you have to get that process done? Um, it, we try to act as fast as possible. I mean, we, we talk to the client and we just say, Hey, like be transparent. We need to know what you were thinking, why you said it, who else did you say it to? Like you have to gather all the facts as soon as possible. All right. So um, you got the, you got the facts. Yep. Now what? Now you have to, you have to coordinate the message. Like you have to make sure that the client is on board with the message and you have to figure out, okay, who is going to pick up said message? Like who is going to pick this up? If it's, if it's a regional thing, um, if it's a national thing, you know, how big is the scope of the issue? Right. And so once you figure out who are all the players that are going to pick up, you know, whatever issue was said or whatever was done, then you have to start, you know, tapping into your network and making sure that you can put out the the message. And sometimes not giving a statement is the is the best way to handle it. You know, when you see somebody that says, we reached out for comment and, you know, the they did not return, you know, a comment or a statement. Sometimes that's an effective play for handling a crisis. You know, you don't always have to speak about what's going on because, you know, sometimes whatever you say is always going to be taken the wrong way. So well, sometimes it, it, saying right. nothing so is it, the best. It might just be few, adding fuel to the fire. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right, Joel. So sometimes you just kind of want to, you know, let it play out and, and and let it die out because there's, you know, there's that saying in the media, if it bleeds, it leads, right? There's, unfortunately, there's always going to be a next story, right? And and at that moment, you getting your client to realize like, hey, I know you're going through it right now. And I know that the the world feels like it's crumbling and crashing down on you, but you got to give it a little bit of time because there's always going to be somebody else, you know? And so it's, it's kind of like doing damage control with the client to where they don't kind of jump off the bridge, so to speak. You, you know, know, one of the things I've always noticed is that there's a little bit of luck of the draw involved in media and that, you know, so you got some terrible crisis happening and you're the front page of the story. And then, you know, a day later, bam, there's a, there's an earthquake in Turkey and, yeah. and, yeah. and you're not the story anymore. And all of a sudden they go on to something else that's more interesting, more important. And then, yeah. you know, and they're, and they're doing the count. This many people died, this many people. And after a while, that's not in the news anymore. And we lose track because, you know, everybody's concerned with how much damage got done. And then, bam, they're off to the next story. And then yeah. there's, there's a tra- train derailment. And then you got this. And so there's always something that's bigger than whatever your deal is. You yeah. just got to wait for a day. It's rare that it goes more than a couple of days before there's some other big story. Well, when you look at look at something like... Let, let's talk about entities and brands, right? If you look a couple of months ago, there was an issue with Balenciaga. And, and again, I'm, I'm not, I don't know all the details. They're not my client, uh, but there was an issue where um, they were called out for their marketing campaign. 
And it was, you know, it was, it was borderline. Well, it wasn't borderline. It was risque and it was borderline, uh, like pornographic. And, and it was just, it was in bad taste. Now they took flack for a couple of days and they fired the marketing company that supposedly ran the ads. But you also have to think that that marketing campaign is not, that company is not going to put out anything without like hundreds of eyeballs on that campaign before it's released, especially if it's a multi-million dollar ad campaign. Right. But for the first couple of days, it was, it was news. And then, like you said, something happened in Turkey and there was a bombing and it, the, the, the eyeball shifted the news, the, the, everything shifted to where, Okay, and now you don't hear anything about Balenciaga and their their pedophilia ad that was, you know, put out there, right? And so it, you're exactly right. There's you know, it's kind of a luck of a draw sometimes. If you're if you if you get yourself in trouble, you're yeah. hoping that a bigger story is coming tomorrow, you know? How does um how does the 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 reduced attention span of consumers like our TikTok era how does all that kind of play into uh, the news cycle? Information gets out faster. Um, it's not necessarily accurate sometimes. Um, it's unfortunate. You know, um, it basically helps create a lot of newscasters, so to speak, or reporters. You know, they see something and they view a story and then they put out, you know, their own take on said story. So you create little fires, um, you know, but, um, it helps ignite the message. If it, if, if it's a bad message, that's, you know, it can be damaging, but if it's a good message, then it can be, you know, in a supportive manner, then it gets that message out a whole lot faster. So you, you can, you can play both sides of it. If you, if you're trying to get something out, a message out, that's, that's positive and you want PR and, 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 you know, some traction behind the campaign, social media is, is, um, it's priceless, but if it's something where you're doing crisis management and you cannot control the perspective of the said user, then it can also be damaging because now you're, you're fighting not just one huge battle, but you're fighting a little, you know, a whole bunch of other little battles everywhere else. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean, yeah, yeah. actually, know. actually, I never really thought about, uh, you know, this, the, the kind of the splinters, you yeah. know, they used to be just, there were three networks and, and that was what you dealt with. There was just mm -hmm. some newspapers and, and kind of the newspapers all kind of got their stuff from the same place. And actually even TV kind of took their stuff from newspapers. Yeah. That's kind of where news originated. Now, uh, you know, I think one of the big problems, by the way, is that it's in the old days when they took information from newspapers, at least everybody kind of spread the same story. But yeah. a lot of stuff that happens in social media, which is this splintered kind of situation. Exactly. Uh, most of it's not news at all. Most of it's opinion. And most of the TV channels is not journalism and news. It's all opinion. And I think that that's part of the confusion. When they talk about fake news, it's not fake news. It's not even news at all. It's somebody's no. opinion. It's opinions. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you're, 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 you're exactly right. And, and the way, like, if you look at newscasts now, they are reporting on social media, like profiles or someone posted this, this is a heartfelt story. Someone donated, you know, a million dollars to said charity or they're saving puppies or whatever. Like you see newscasts now filling, you know, filling slots in their program with social media based news, you know, with, with social media, social media based content. And so now it's kind of like what you said, there was a couple of major distributions or major networks that were reporting this in, in, in the newspapers. Now you have, now you have those said networks. Now you've got cable television. Now you've got social media. Now you've got like, there's so many other outlets than just NBC, ABC, PBS, CBS, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. you know, the other thing is, and maybe it's related to this whole attention span issue is you could come out with the most important information in the world. The Fed is going to do this certain thing and the economy uh-huh. is going to do this certain thing. And and here's an important tip that you need to do and something really substantial. And what are people going to look at? A cat jumping through a window, knocking a vase off of a table. I, yeah. I mean, I mean that that's going to get yeah. millions and millions of views and, mm-hmm. and the really important stuff. I think our priorities have gotten kind of mixed up. So how does all of that affect your ability to convey a message either in a crisis or in a general marketing situation. I mean, given the environment that we live in, and, and the, these are trends. I mean, we're, we talked about that there are trends out there. The fact that people like dumb stuff, and that's what goes viral, more than the stuff that you're actually being paid to promote. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Well, if I'm, if, you know, if I've got a message for a client and we're trying to market the campaign or, or market the client, what, what have you, then what we would do is we would try and figure out, okay, how can we get in front of said influencers? Cause that's what you have now in social media is influencers. You have people, you could go on Instagram all day, find people with verified check marks that have hundreds of thousands of followers, right? Like a, like a, I hate to use this word, but they have like a quote unquote cult following. Right. And you have no idea who they are and you have no idea why Instagram has verified them and deem them as a credible like entity for, for information. Right. But you getting in front of those people and trying to, to get, you know, them to kind of get on board with what you're saying is one is one way but then also if you really want to be creative structure your content and your message and how you're going to deliver it around that silly stuff that those trends like you see it all the time in Super Bowl commercials where they're not just going up there and they're just talking about you know hey buy this Pepsi they're they're tapping into the organic like underlying message of, Hey, this is the ad, but this is the message, right? So you could create the ad and what people see, but it's in a creative way to where the message is still being delivered, but it captures that, that attention for that 45 seconds or what have you on that little social media clip, you know? So it's, 
it just seems to me like uh, a lot of these things have made the navigation process more complicated. I mean, you're talking about the blue check mark. I mean, mm-hmm. you buy the blue check mark now. I mean, I mean anybody, can. Can, anybody can pay for it, you know, and that's not going to stay with Twitter. That's going to Facebook and it's going to infiltrate uh, Instagram. And, you know, and it's uh, eventually. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, but at the same time, you if you've got a message, there's always a way to get it out. Now, it's it it all depends on who's going to write the check and what they want to do like we can we can go to companies all all day like our clients and we can pitch them ideas for you know marketing messages right how are we going to get this out how you know what kind of post are we going to do how far do you want to push the the limit and um you know it's it's a matter of can we convince them to to step Mm -hmm. over that threshold you know if they're going to write the check then you know what are they trying to say? You know, how, how, how far can we go? What are they going to be comfortable with? So, so for the listeners of our show, uh, you know, how should they think about these things? In other words, uh, clearly they're part of the strategic planning. They may not be part of the execution team, but they certainly are thinking about it from a strategic level. How do they decide if they've got a crisis, if they've got a problem, uh, you know, how do they decide what the best course of action is? If you were to sit down with them and say, look, these are the three choices you know, how do they participate in that discussion? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I guess over time and over many meetings, you kind of get to you you get to know the client, um, and you kind of you you kind of immerse yourself in the way they. You know, over time, you, you and I would, sp- you know, if you and I were to spend months and months together and have countless talks, I would, I would start to figure out how your brain works, or you would start to kind of gauge how I think, right? And so, you, you, you have to spend time with that person to say, okay, I know how Joel thinks, and there's no way he would ever go for this. You know, so you you also have to be respective of Joel is more so and so, and he is, you know, he's not going to go for that, or he would love that, you know. And so you you just kind of gotta gauge it yourself before you say, "Hey, I'm throwing everything at the wall." That would be your last resort. Would be like, "Hey, look, I'm throwing my hands up. I don't know, Joel. I've thrown you everything." I thought you would like, you don't like it. Let me just throw this. What do you think? You know, so, so, so companies are sitting there listening to all this right now. And, you know, every, you know, listen, I'm not faulting you for this, but you know, everything depends, you know, you're, you're in a professional services kind of business facts and circumstances dictate everything. So everything depends. And, and you didn't even say it depends. I mean, that, that's my words, not your words, mm-hmm. but you know, if companies want to stay out of the trouble, but they also want to be in the pool. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to sit on the sidelines. They want to be playing yeah. the game, but they don't want to get in too much trouble. How do you balance playing the game, not getting in too much trouble? You know, how do you counsel clients on those topics? Very delicately. That's all I'm going to say. Like you, <laughs> it's a delicate balance. Like you have to, you know, the, the lines shift, like the goalposts always move. Right. And so, what was taboo five years ago 
might be um, not allowed, but might be tolerated today and vice versa. What was tolerated five years ago? Yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of vice versa. I think I think we tolerate less now than we did before. Yeah, well, here's a here's an example. So my wife and I, we, we were driving the other day and we're listening to um, Spotify and we hear a song by um, this band, Dire Straits. And we're listening to the song and growing up, that was one of my favorite bands, like listening to their music. Like it was the walk. Uh, what is it? The walk of I walk of life right or oh yeah yeah you know that was good so that was good old-fashioned 80s yeah that was rock and roll good music i was i was a young kid i was like maybe eight nine ten years old right and and so i'm listening to it and now as as a season 40 something year old i'm listening to the lyrics and there's thing there's lyrics in that song that if he were to put that song out today he would be it would almost be like he would it would be really, really, he would have to answer questions. Does that, does that make sense? Like, <laughs> so what, again, it's the goal post moving, it's shifting. So what was tolerated then might not be tolerated now and vice versa. So, yeah. you know, it's, you've got to stay apart. You've got to stay on top of the trends and because it shifts, what, what was good yesterday might not be good tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, you know, the theme of the show, Your Advantage Play, is all about uh, really your ultimate, your killer strategy, your ultimate competitive advantage, the thing that you do better than anybody. What is your advantage play? What's the thing that you do that just makes you better than everybody else that that you just advise your clients in a certain way or whatever it is? What's your thing? Transparency and the ability to adapt and relate. I know that I know that's kind of broad, but the one thing clients always want is to be heard. And all we are is a paintbrush for a canvas of their vision. And I tell clients, prospective clients that all the time, you've got a vision for your business. It's not my business. It's your business. Where do you want it to go? You give me your vision and we're the paintbrush to create it. Interesting. That's, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, you know, it's funny. People always think that, uh, you know, the, uh, the killer strategy is going to be some esoteric, fancy, crazy thing, but sometimes it really is something uh, that's Just rather listening. simple and easy to understand. And that's, yeah. and that's awesome. And, you know, uh, the theme of the show really, in addition to the whole advantage play thing is really, it's about the inside track, the best, smartest, or fastest way to get something done. And you have absolutely lived up to the promise of the show. You've really well, lived up it. to the, uh, the 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 kind of the concept of uh, of sharing, you know, the best, fastest, and smartest way to get something <laughs> done and, and make things happen. So I, I appreciate all what you've shared. I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, people who actually bring that to the table, we call those people advantage players, and that makes you an advantage player. So thank you for being a friend of the show, and I appreciate what you've uh, contributed and shared with well, us. I, I enjoyed being here. I've been a fan of the show for a while. Hopefully everything that I said doesn't get me in trouble, <laughs> but I know, you know, I know a great crisis like manager if does, guy. If, if it does, I know a crisis manager that can help you out. How about that? That's All right, Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. Have a good one. 
You've been listening to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. To learn more about how to work with Joel and cultivate your own high-limit advantage plays, visit theadvantageplayer.com. Subscribe to Your Advantage Play wherever you get your podcasts.